from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are here live at the 1115 at Westside Church. 1115? All right. And we're here with Pastor Steve. Hi, hi Steve. Hello. It's good to be back. <laughs> and uh, once a year, we do this live on stage where we look back on some of the most memorable messages of our year. And so to the, during this service, we're going to be looking all the way back to the very first message of 2018, uh, which was part of uh, our series called A New Way. And so we're going to be looking at this. But before we do that, since we are looking back a whole year, um, what was the dumbest thing you guys did all year? Do you remember... <laughs> Something that you regret doing in 2018 that you're going to try to not do in 2019. And there there are so many things I said publicly (laughs) that I should not ever say again. Most of them were in this message that we're about to discuss. It's interesting the the two messages you guys picked for me to discuss with the church this weekend, because they're both really controversial messages. And I I watched them yesterday, messages again. And you guys ever watch yourself after like doing a public speaking thing? It's not good. It's not fun at all. And uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Our church like stuck with me this year because this is some pretty radical stuff that that we talked about. I remember one, uh, one Sunday, you really liked how you preached in one message or how you presented something in one service. And then you sat in the next service, but played it on video. And I thought, that is really tough to do, to sit in a room full oh. of people and watch yourself speak on, on the huge Well, screens. somebody's got to laugh at my jokes. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> man, that guy's really funny. It's a plant. <laughs> Why does the guy in the front row think this is so good? It's him. All right. So the, the message that we're going to discuss is called A New Way, talking about a new covenant. I want to read a quote that you read from Andy Stanley to kick us off here. Andy's a pastor out of Atlanta, and he said, Jesus wasn't an improvement on something old. It's not Judaism 2.0. It wasn't an extension of, but a departure from. And so you talk about how Jesus instituted not something that was an improvement, but something that was entirely new when he showed up. Yeah, I was in a. I was at a conference with Andy, and um, I'm sitting way up in the bleachers with Mike and Kim Alexander, Casey Parnell, and we're we're sitting there watching Andy talk about this new way. This what I what we kind of launched this year with, and literally it was like a, the Holy Spirit fell in this space, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and because he wasn't saying anything really new per se, but the way in which he said it um, was revolutionary for yeah. me. It was like, I never looked at the Bible that way. I never thought uh, about the way of Christianity in which the way he was describing it. Because I think for, for a long time, and at least for me, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, I grew up feeling like I was at, almost as connected to Judaism as I was to Christianity. They, they were like one in the same. One, it was just kind of like, like like Andy said, Judaism 2.0 is like just, you know, because Jesus was was a Jewish um, rabbi, you know, and so he had all of that context and, we, and I was ingrained in all of that. And what I realized is that um, I was bringing Judaism into my version of Christianity. I was kind of mixing the two and 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 it's really clear in the scripture that Jesus fulfilled um, the, the old covenant 
Judaism and he launched something brand new. And yet I had never really thought of it that way. And so it was just like this, for me, it was like this, oh my gosh, I want to like tell my, tell my church about this and, and hope nobody leaves. You know I mean? This is like amazing stuff to me. So so then what do we do? Do we, do, are we, are we throwing out the Old Testament? Do we reference the Old Testament anymore? Do we teach from there? Is there any value yeah, yeah. in that anymore? Great question. Absolutely. Uh, oh my goodness. I mean, for sure, because there's, um, Jesus, as I said, was a Jewish rabbi. So right there, we've got to understand, um, why he came in the context in which he came. And not only that, but the old covenant is a, the old Testament is a, um, is a covenant between God and a group of people, a relational covenant that he wanted to have. That's hugely important for us to understand God and understand why Jesus had to come because that old covenant couldn't do what we needed it to do, which was make a way for us to have a relationship with God. Yeah. It couldn't do that. It couldn't fulfill that. So Jesus had to come. So, so the old covenant for us helps us to know why Jesus had to come. And so we have to understand the old covenant. I just think we have to have it in proper perspective because I grew up in a church where Moses and Jesus and Paul are all equals. They're all this. I mean, and they're all, they all have the same authority in my life. Yeah. Okay. So Jesus, the son of God, who God himself said some things, I'm going to make that have the same authority in my life as Moses, sure. who even Jesus says, he said, Moses said this, but I'm saying this. So I'm just, I'm not throwing out Moses. I just want to put it in its proper context as I, uh, as I seek to know God through the person of Jesus Christ. So I, I hope that makes sense. I, I, I think that has helped me like, oh my gosh, I want to, I want this kind of this new gospel in a sense. Um, that's, I, I think is really attractive um, to those that are outside the church right now. Yeah super attractive. It's like, okay, tell me about Jesus. No problem. And whenever Jesus refers to the Old Testament, well, we got to talk about that, right? right? Yeah. Um, and that's when, for me, when the Old Testament comes up is when Jesus refers to it. Um, then we've got we've to understand it. So what does that do for the average person just sitting in the seats today? Uh, maybe we've had some conversations with people before where we're talking about theology or doctrine or something like that. And then uh, whether it's the, the Christian or the person who wouldn't consider themselves a Christian but understands the word comes up to us and goes, well, you know, it says in Levitical law, this is the indication of, of how we should live and what we should do. And, and that always gets really kind of lost in the weeds for me. You know, Jesus comes and he says, love God, love, God, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and then a lot of times we want to pull out this little thing because it actually fits with how we think about the world. But then we throw out, you know, don't boil a baby goat in its mama's milk because that's <laughs> weird. But it's also located right next to, um, you know, a lot of other stuff that we would actually pull in sight to say, this is how God feels about this kind of sin or this kind of behavior. What are you, what are you talking about? I, I, I wasn't anticipating him bringing up the baby goat reference, but you don't know the baby there. goat in the you mama's know, would, milk. Yeah, I know it. I should think you'd bring it up on, on See, today. I think what, it's a, it actually is a really good question, Ben. I mean, it, we, what we've done is we've tried to we've tried to make the old covenant a doctrinal book for living at the expense i would say of the teachings of jesus mm -hmm. so i would i would say to someone that quotes old testament law to me to say to try to to try to prove a point that it's still valuable i would go like well jesus actually said you know the, the, old, the old covenant says, do not murder, but I'm going to tell you, don't even get angry with someone, um, you know, because then you're in, in judgment of, of the fires of hell. So, yeah. so he's always taking it further. So I would always like, well, what, you know, I would always say, well, what does Jesus, what is, what does Jesus think about the old covenant and how did he use it? And, and how does he want us to live? Not 
what is the old, how does the old covenant want us to live? Yeah. Jesus can't, he fulfilled that. He fulfilled it. It, on the cross, it is finished. I mean, it's, I mean, we don't have to make sacrifices anymore. I don't have to prove my, my love for God anymore by, by living a right life. I'm not saying that that's unimportant. Jesus does, and I don't know if we'll get to that today, but Jesus does believe living a right life is important. Yeah. But in the context of grace and mercy and the kindness of God seen through Jesus, it makes all that, it just completely changes the narrative. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I love Galatians that you quoted in your message where it says, Paul says, but before the, uh, b- but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut out uh, to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So we see this Jesus saying, I got this law. I'll take over from here. And almost what Hebrews says is a chapter 10 where it says that the law is actually obsolete in light of this new covenant under Christ. Right. And there, there's a, it's, we have to understand that God is a relational God. He does not, he does not want people to follow him because they, they followed a certain regiment. Who wants to be in a relationship like that? You know, hey, if you do these 10 things, then we're, in, we're good. I mean, imagine if you're married, go ahead and try that. This week, say, honey, um, for us to continue to be married, I need you to do these 10 things. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is it. How's that going to go, guys? Yeah, my wife, she laughed really loud. <laughs> right, but, that, but see, that's, God never wanted that. He never, he wants us to have a relational connection. That's why he sent himself to bridge the gap so that we could um, know him, really know him personally, relationally. And, I, and that's Jesus. Yeah. It's not the law. The law is a regimen. It's a mechanistic. It's do these things um, in order to have a relationship with God. Jesus comes and says, know someone to have a relationship with God. And that's all the difference. Okay, so tell me how this relates to some other things that we experience in this world. I remember when Katrina happened in New Orleans, a lot of Christians I knew were saying things like, modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. This is God's judgment on a certain group of people. Uh, what does this say to, to that? Mix and match. We've tried to bring Old, Old Testament principles to bear into New Testament living, and it, it's, it's not, they're not compatible. They don't, they don't, it's not hand in glove. It's not like, it's not, it's not Malachi, the end of Malachi, and then all of a sudden, Jesus, there's 400 years of silence to break. There, this, is, this is two different things. And so every time we bring in the judgment of God to bear on our, our, our relationship with God, it's like, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Jesus says, I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. So I just think we, we've, we've, we've mixed and matched. So anytime you hear someone say, this is God's judgment on you, um, oh my gosh, no, it's not. It's just simply not. It's, it's, I mean, you could blame anything else. Blame, blame the devil, blame nature. I mean, just come on, it's not the judgment of God because Jesus came and took the judgment of God on himself. By claiming that things are judgments of God, you are actually saying that the, 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 the cost of what Christ did really isn't full. It's not complete. There's more judgment that needs to happen. And, I'm not, and where we get confused, Ben, is that we, we look at end time prophecies. When God does come to judge, he, he will come to judge. He, he does, he, and that's reality. But that we're not living in that time. That's at the end, the end of all things, and we're not there yet. 
Man, there's going to be some questions coming in now. There are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, send so, your texts and I'll relay them very quickly. to see. <laughs> So here, here's one. I understand why the New Testament came, but please tell me one more time, why we even needed the old then? Well, why, why didn't you just show up and say, hey? Well, I guess, what, to be honest, um, I probably think, you know, I, I, I heard a guy at a, do, do a wedding and he said that he said that, um, you know, that he thought he was a pretty decent guy until he got married and realized he was a tool shed. And there's something <laughs> about the Old Testament that helps, makes us see that we're tool sheds, that we're like, man, we miss the mark so often. And let's be honest with ourselves that we do and that we cannot be perfect. We cannot get there on our own. Um, and so the Old Testament for me is like story after story after story of me and my tr- attempts to try to be right mm. for God. And I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. We need Jesus. So for me, the Old Covenant is, is, is just a narrative about, about the despair of humanity and our, our attempts at trying to connect with him that fail miserably over and over and over and why we need why we need a savior. Does that kind of fit as an answer to the, this question? It says, how can I respond to a friend who is radically seeking to keep the Old Testament law and basically adding Jesus into the Torah, but alienating everyone around her with her harsh religion? She says, Jesus never abolished the law and it is still in effect and claims all Christians are deceived by the devil and need to keep the old law. Is that kind of an answer to that? Well, yeah. I mean, that person just needs to read Paul's letters. I mean, from start to finish, read Paul, read Hebrews, soak themselves in that. Stop reading the Old Testament for a minute. Just put it over to the side and just read Paul at a a Pharisee of Pharisees, he called himself, a, a Jew of all Jews. So read him. And what does he say about the law? And that and that right there will, 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 should break that. If they have an honor of the word, if they believe that the, the whole word is inspired by God, then, then you have to look at the writings of Paul and go, wait a second. Here's a guy who grew up in the system and, and then God used him to reach Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And he's the one that comes to the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15 and says, we cannot make it so hard for non-Jewish people to come to Jesus. We cannot lay on them all of these laws and regulations and all of these things that, that we've, we've done, that we've done. And there was reason why we did it, but we don't have to make them do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, are you guys with me? I mean, does this make sense? I mean, this, this so how do, we, how do we do that as a church? I think this is a radical message, and I think a lot of people would honestly come to know Jesus that don't know Jesus if they understood this whole principle. But we're talking about thousands of years as the church uh, not really functioning really, really well in this. A mix and match is exactly a lot of the environment that I grew up in and figuring out how all this works, and you're telling me grace, but then this is on the other side. How do we as West Side, or maybe even the big church, the global church, how do we start to create this message in a way that the world actually hears, not just the, oh, come to Jesus, and it's the gospel, and it's whatever, because those things are attached to, in a lot of ways, the old law or a weird theology. So how do we, how do, we do this as the church going forward? Well, I just, for me, Ben, I mean, it, it, maybe it's... Maybe Maybe it is oversimplification. I just, I just come back to Jesus, 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 always Jesus, every time Jesus. There's nobody else but Jesus. I don't want to, I mean, I don't have time or energy to try to help everyone understand why the Old Testament was written. I mean, there's re- really good reasons why it's there, but I just like, I just don't have time for that. I want to, I want, for the new people. I mean, I, I feel like I got to help our church break out of some things. So we got to under, really understand why the old was written. But for people outside of the church, 
oh my goodness, I'm only gonna, I'm only gonna talk about the old covenant when Jesus talks about it. But I want, everything is about Jesus. Every, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the, and, and, the, and the book of Acts and just soak yourself in that and memorize that. And then once you get that right, once you understand all that that is in those books, then go back and read the rest of the Bible if you want to. But the, the, the core of, I mean, read the whole Bible, but the core is Jesus, only Jesus. He is, and I, and I stand on solid ground with the church fathers and the apostles and the original disciples. It was all about Jesus. It was revolution. You guys understand when Jesus was, was at the Passover meal, the last Passover meal, the most Jewish of Jewish holidays. And Jesus says, now I am the Passover lamb. They should have gotten up and walked out. This is a heretic. That's what they should have done. It was radical, revolutionary. And it, and it paved the way for us, all of us to be sitting here, non-Jewish, the majority of us, non-Jewish, Gentiles, have come to faith in Jesus. Now, and I'll tell you, not one of you have came to Jesus because of the Old Testament. Every single one of us came to, to Jesus because of Jesus, because right. of what he offers. Right. It's good. You compare this, this radical thing that Jesus did by stating this, uh, standing up in the synagogue. I mean, those moments where he basically does a mic drop, uh, where he, he says, this is about me. You compared it to if Christmas Eve comes and you stand up before <laughs> thousands of people that come for our services and say, and this is to celebrate me and my birth. Yes. You know, and how... That's how radical it would be. How radical and we do celebrate as a weird. staff once a year, oddly enough. <laughs> no, we don't. Sorry. <laughs> that was you funnier in my mind. My birthday <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear anyone laughing for your joke, Ben, on the front row. You need a representative over here for you. I know what your birthday is, Steve. <laughs> Just let me log into Facebook. <laughs> Uh, but this is, this is radical stuff. And what, what always struck me w when we walked through this series a year ago um, was the conversations that came out of this message. And I think probably at some point people are imagining there's going to be a moment where Steve stands and rips the Bible in two and burns half of it. And that wasn't it. And maybe there was some fear of that, like just being controversial for its own sake. But what struck me was this radicalness of Jesus from 2000 years ago, which is ancient by any measure, yeah. is still somewhat radical for us yeah. in the modern age it today. Is. I mean, that's incredible that it's his incredible. words it's could still so, stir yeah. us I like mean, that. He, his teaching is way harder than anything you read in the Old Testament. And, and let me just say, just to assure our church family, um, and I knew I wasn't going to read from the Bible. I knew that in this podcast, but I brought it um, because I love all of it. I love all of it. My, I, I remember... Um, waking up early on some mornings to get ready for school, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning and walking out and seeing my dad on his, on his chair with his Bible open. And typically he was weeping over whatever he was reading. I don't even know what it was. Um, and I, because I'd quietly sneak back out. I was like, well, I don't want to disturb this, you know, holy moment. And, and so I, I've grown up with a, a real honor for this um, and the whole thing. I love the whole thing. I, I mean, the, the Old Testament for me, I mean, is, is, is filled with this narrative of my own brokenness. And when I'm mad at God, I, 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 there are prayers in there to pray. Um, when I'm confused, um, when I'm suffering, there's, there's people I can relate to um, in the, written in these pages. And, I, and it's just the whole thing for me is, is anointed um, to bring about life transformation. But without Jesus, I can't do it. 
I just can't. I can't make it on my own. I can't, without the power of the Holy Spirit that he sent to us, um, we can't do it. And so for me, this whole, the whole thing is sacred. Um, but, I, but, I, but I do understand that Jesus is on every page of it. And that makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, there's a the kid's Bible and you mentioned in your message actually, and we have it. My daughter's had it since she was real little. Um, but it, it goes through all these Old Testament stories, but really weaves in um, how Jesus is present and how everything is pointing towards the moment when Jesus is going to show up. And I thought, um, what a beautiful thing as we read the Old Testament to say, where is Jesus here? Where can we find these markers and these pointers saying there's redemption coming, there's hope coming, Jesus is, is on the way, you know? Because I think we can find that uh, in the pages of the Old Absolutely. Testament. Absolutely, and it's a great, it's a great Bible. What, what, do you have the um, there? No, I think it's uh, uh, the Jesus, what is it? Jesus, Jesus Storybook Story Bible, Bible is the children's one, and then the Gospel Transformation Bible is the other one, and that's for adults. And it does it has a narrative of Jesus throughout the Old Covenant, and it's really awesome. And it it is it is the new, a new way. The Hebrews says that this is a new and living way. Um, the old way produced death. We just knew we couldn't make it, but the new way produces life. Mm-hmm. With Jesus, man, we can do this. We can become who He always intended us for to. Be. For us to become. Text question. Uh, Jesus came to set us free, but we still want to know the new rules. What's your best advice <laughs> for shifting your mindset from following the law to following Jesus? Read, read him. Follow him. Follow him. Like, okay, I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in his steps and, and, and I'm, you know, like true followership, not just, I know Jesus and he's a really great guy and, and I've, I'm devoting my life to him on Sundays, but you know, the rest of the week is kind of on my own. Instead, just like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a student of like a, like the disciples, I mean, would just follow, you know, just a, a step or two behind Jesus. They'd walk in his footprints as he walked through the deserts of Galilee. I and mean, he just, it was just like this. They were, they were there watching everything, listening to what he said. They were interested. They were, they would ask questions later um, when they didn't understand something. It was just like, so this is the way, right? It's, and that, that's what they gave their life to. And that's what, but to be honest, they gave their life for because most of them did give their lives um, for this new way. They would not have given their life for the old way it didn't produce anything, but right. they were willing to go to be burned, to be martyred, to be crucified upside down because of this new way was just like, this changed everything. It changed everything. It, it, it empowered me to live the kind of life that's beautiful um, to a world that desperately needs it. Hmm. So I would Another say, text. follow Jesus. That's good. Uh, uh, how do we support and love our Jewish friends without becoming judgmental? And preach. <laughs> Follow Jesus. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's interesting that Jesus was so embraced. He embraced people from every walk of life. Now, I would, I would say that he had his harshest criticisms for the Pharisees, um, which were the Jewish religious people that didn't see Jesus. So, um, so we... I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, it's interesting that we've, we're so close to Judaism in Christianity because of this issue, because Jesus is everything and they, they crucified him. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, so how do we have conversations with, and with, with the Jewish people in our life and, and not create conflict? It would, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same as I would have with anyone. What do you do with Jesus? Mm. 
Can we just have that conversation? Let's, let's just, you know, if we're going to discuss religion, I mean, we have a lot in common. We do. We have a ton in common. All, to be honest, a lot of, all religions have a lot in common. But what do we do with Jesus? There's the difference in every religion mm. is the question of what do you do with him? And I, the, now the answer to that question doesn't mean I'm going to like cut off relationship. I can't be with you anymore because you don't believe the same thing I believe about Jesus. It's like, no, I'm going to continue to invest it relationally um, because I love you and we're humans and, and I respect you and I respect that you, that you believe in something. That's awesome. Um, but, I, but, but every chance I get, I'm going to like, well, what about Jesus? You know, what do you do with him and his teaching? And, but do, always in love, always with grace, always with compassion not with this, like, I've, I know the way and you don't. I've found the way and you haven't. It's like, just don't, stop. I don't think, Westsiders, we, have, we don't have any arrogant people in our church at all. <laughs> so this is to everybody else um, that, let's not be arrogant. Yeah. Let's just stop that. Stop feeling like we're getting all caught up in our righteousness. You're not right. You're only righteous because of one thing and it had nothing to do with you. Right. Right. We're righteous because of Jesus Christ. And that, that's big. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's, it's our heart, your heart, our job to go around bashing people that we disagree with, whether they're just atheistic or if they're um, Jewish or like, obviously that's not our task is to go around and um, say how superior you are. No, we're, we're going around preaching the message and the life of Jesus. Is there exclusivity in Christ? Yeah. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So there's built in exclusivity, but that doesn't mean we go and take that exclusivity like a, a bat and beat people over the head and say, how dare you believe the way you do, right? We, we say, we're going to preach the mercy and the, the new way of Jesus um, and let it do the work. Yeah. I mean, for instance, like, don't, don't you love it? If you're a Christ follower, don't you love it when people come and say, man, what about those crusades? So how would, you, how would you feel then if you're a Jewish person that said, what did you think of that crucifixion? I mean, you know, it's arrogance. And so I think, for, I, I think always approaching people with that kind of sense of like love and compassion is, is huge in how we connect with people. That's good. Um, this comment uh, I thought was interesting to bring up. I was very confused with the Old Testament, but enlightened with the arrival of Jesus. My thought of the old, was God wrong? Or was he right and perfect? No, he was right and perfect. We couldn't do it, so Jesus came to change and correct us. What are your yeah. thoughts? Old, Old Testament is really, really clear, you guys. And I believe that when, when, when you meet God, when I meet God, you're going, it's all going to be very clear that he is a holy God, that he is perfect in every way, and that he has a really hard time with imperfection. Not that he doesn't love imperfection in, in the sense that he won't, like he can't be with imperfection. I think that's what we used to think. That's not true. But, what he, but it's like, I am holy, therefore be holy. That's something that he actually said. And so the whole old covenant is their attempt to be holy as he is holy because they want, they, they, he wants a, 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 a peer relationship in a sense. Like, like 
I want to be face to face with you, but I can't be face to face with you yeah. in your present condition. And so, so here's some laws to try to help you in the meantime. And then that didn't achieve it. And so Jesus comes and, and he sacrificed himself. Not only does he sacrifice himself, he then shows us how to live a perfect life. Not only that, then he gives us the Holy Spirit himself to live inside of us, to direct us, to guide us, to correct us, to rebuke us, to gently help us move towards perfection. And so then, so now, but what's cool about this thing is that, so we're being sanctified. Hebrews talks about this, that you are perfect as your father in heaven is perfect as you are being sanctified as you are in process but listen you're already there you've already if you stay in Christ you have already been perfected the bible's really clear about this that that now how god sees us is through that lens of jesus and so now we have been made perfect even in my brokenness even in my um acts of sin that I still commit, there's this sense that as long as I stay in Christ, as long as I keep my face toward the light of his love, then I'm covered. Hmm. I'm, under, I'm under his grace, his covering. And, and now, in pro, but now I'm still in process, right? I'm not going to stay there. Hebrews actually says, man, don't do that. Don't stay. Don't keep sinning because you keep crucifying Jesus in hmm. a sense. Move towards um, sanctification. Move into this process of becoming holy as God is holy. Don't stay where you are. We've gotten multiple, uh, you can go ahead and clap for that. Go for it. Some are like, I don't know if I want to quite yet. <laughs> no, you will clap and you will do it now. So. <laughs> uh, we've actually got multiple text messages from Spencer Schauber in the youth room uh, telling him that you owe him for losing Man, fantasy football. Twice. I've lost to Spencer so twice. It's a little update. <laughs> I got to own my own bunch now. You're beating me right now and it's pretty frustrating. Um, this text, now that I've lost completely everything, uh, I sabotaged myself. Isn't that amazing? This is I didn't have anything to do life. with that. I know, it's amazing. Just yeah. We're just silent over here watching. <laughs> just, <laughs> just read the text. Uh, how do we defend Jesus to radical Christians who use hate and anger to alienate people who don't fit their mold of what is normal? Well, I, I'll be honest. I just don't have time for those people to try to convince them anymore. I, a mentor of mine said, Steve, you have enough people who are interested, curious about the way of Jesus. You don't have to spend time with those who are opposed to it. And um, I'd love to change their mind. and I'd love to see them radically transformed. And um, but I'll, but in, uh, instead of putting my energy towards that, I'm going to put my energy into um, helping create the way of Jesus in my context, in my family, in my own life, in my church and and let that stand on its own you know and let that let that be an example hopefully to others who are so filled with hate um, yeah they've missed the way of Jesus they've they've they can't see it it would be like the Pharisees of in in the, in the times of Jesus they just couldn't see it they couldn't see that Jesus was the promised Messiah they, they couldn't get past their hate their bigotry their 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 insecurities their power their you know their control and all of this stuff they just couldn't see him and so um, um, Jesus, to be honest, didn't spend a lot of time with them um, other than rebuking them. Yeah. Um, he spent most of his time with those that were curious. Because it is frustrating, and I understand the question. Uh, I've tried to lean into this idea of just really trusting the Holy Spirit in those situations to be made known of Jesus, who he is. Because it is, it's difficult sometimes, especially in, um, you know, I don't know, the media or social media or whatever, just that large evangelical is a really big, massive blanket statement now. And the evangelical said this, and the Christian said this. I'm like, no, they 
didn't. I didn't say that. That's not representative of me, and that's not representative of this doctrine and how we think of Jesus. And, and so I understand the, the, the desire to want to go ahead and attack and rush out and do those things, but man, sometimes you just got to trust that Jesus is going to make himself known, that he is who he says he is, and the Holy Spirit is going to come and, and fix those gaps a lot of times. Yeah, and I, to be honest, Ben, I'm kind of separating myself relationally from the, that, that being qualified as that. So what I mean by that is, so my, in my relationships, I'm making it clear that um, that's, and it's really clear by the way I live, but I, mean, I don't even have to really say anything, that I'm not part of that group. Right. Oh, oh but you're a Christian. Yeah, but I'm not part of that group. And, and I, and I can tell you, I'm not part of that group, but by just, you just watch how I live. And then you can see that I'm not part of that group. I know that we all have the same label of Christian, but, but, um, there are different Muslims, right? That they, they practice their religion differently. Yeah. Jewish, right? There's right. And in Christianity, it's the same. There are some that are holding on to some old things. And then there are some who are really pursuing the new that Jesus did. And I'm, I'm part of this new way. Um, and by the way, we're living that if you do that, you're connecting yourself to the early church in the book of Acts. They, they, it's, they called themselves the way it was this, there was a sense of like this was new and fresh and, and exciting. And why is that any different today? It's, I mean, it's still new, fresh and exciting today. Um, revolutionary. And I, I'd rather be associated with that. Again, with the, some of the old, old ways of doing yeah. Christian, Christianity. So you talk about you personally, how you want to walk in this. What does it look like for our church? What kind of church do you want to see uh, a couple of years from now as we maybe as a group, a community, lean into this kind of living? I, I, just, I, I just think that this is really compelling to a world without God. That the way, this way that we're talking about is really, I mean, maybe there'll be, there'll be some, right? That'll be like, ah, you're just, you're just like everybody else. Okay, whatever. But for the majority of people that I, at least that I'm connected with outside of the church, this is really compelling. This kind of living is like, really? That, you guys are doing what? for your community and how, and you're talking about certain issues and it's not, it's not polarizing what's going, and it's just, I, I just see that this, that the community at large, and by the way, I also believe that dozens and dozens of churches that maybe have been stuck for years trying to figure this thing out between the old and the new will find a new way to express the eternal way of Jesus in, in such a fresh way that people will be like, I got to be a part of this. So I see our church and other churches really being impacted. Yeah. Which is the reason that we have to do our best to really seek Jesus out in our own personal lives and continue to figure out what this following Jesus is. Because when we first started talking about this on the podcast and in teaching team meetings and everything, as someone who grew up in the church and uh, I, I felt set free, I felt a little bit like that I would imagine the disciples were who were going, what, we don't have to think about this and this and this and this anymore. But then there's the other side of it of, okay, that the same feeling that the disciples had when Jesus ascended into heaven. And we're like, well, where are you going? Because we're not done learning. You haven't told us everything. You haven't lined it out. We don't have, uh, we, we don't have the book on exactly everything that you're saying and know every answer to the world. And it, it causes you then to push yourself mm-hmm. in your relationship with God, which is uncomfortable, but incredibly healthy. And Jesus said that I, I, I have to leave so I can send you the paraclete, the Holy Spirit to be in you, to live with you so that um, for a couple of things, one, that you'll be reminded of what Jesus taught because you know that everything Jesus taught is actually not in the Bible. Now, this gets a little weird because you'll be thinking, well, Steve, I don't, I'm not going to listen to a voice in my head that says something that isn't in the Bible. 
Got it. Yeah, absolutely. But there are, what I'm saying is that there are so many things that, that it's hard for us to remember all of them. And the Holy Spirit was given to us to guide us, to remind us uh, how to live the way of Jesus. And not only that, but to empower us. Yeah. I mean, having conversations with people outside of the church is terrifying to the majority of Christians. Um, and, and the reason is because we're not we're not daily being filled with the Holy Spirit who's the one who empowers us, will give us the words to say, will show us you know, what to say, when to say it, how to say it. Um, and I think if we can lean into um, the Holy Spirit um, for you know, the rest of this year, okay, the rest of our lives, then we can see a real transformation, I think, happen as a result of that. We've, we've kind of discussed, this is the last question that I'll bring up. We've kind of discussed this in, in different ways, but I'm just going to ask it as directly as the text says. How do I find Jesus Christ? They will know, um, you'll know by what you see in the Christians around you. And I just put a really heavy burden on the Christians around you. I know, I know that. But Jesus said that, that you'll, know, you'll know these people are mine by the way they love one another. And, um, and so I think we hold a lot of this in our hands, Ben, in terms of how people find Jesus is in how we love one another how we treat one another, how we respect one another, how we value one another. Um, that, for me, is everything. It is, and it is the testimony of Christ embodied in our lives is how we love each other. And, um, and then not only that, but I also, back to the Holy Spirit just for a moment, I, you know, I, the, the power of God was so evident in the early church people were being healed and people were being set free and um, blindness was going away. I mean, it was just like, there's a lot of amazing things happening. And, and to be honest, church, I would love to see that happen again in the U.S. church. I, not, not weird, weird stuff, but just, you know, like weird, like hyper spiritual. I'm not into that. Um, but an authentic expression of the power of the Holy Spirit that when we, when we have the boldness to reach out and pray for people that are saved or unsaved, that the power of God would come alongside and, and we would see things happen and that would be evidence again, some more evidence. Our love is evidence, I think it's the primary evidence, but then the power of God would also be um, evidence of, of Christ among us. That's good, yeah. Um, this stirs up in me and I remember it doing this during the series as well, but uh, I walk away feeling like I want, I want more of that. I want more of that way of Jesus infiltrating and uh, maybe more so than other messages. And so um, I think so important to capture this idea of, of there is more available to us. There is more of this way. There's more to lean into. Um, a couple of things. You're going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit at First Wednesday. Yeah, first Wednesday, the, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll be talking about 20 minutes and then we'll have, again, kind of like this, a time of dialogue where people can text in questions about the Holy Spirit yeah. specifically. So yeah. And then also Andy Stanley's new book, Irresistible. I think it just came out. Uh, we don't have it here yet, but it is available online. I know this outlines in detail a lot of what um, we taught through. Yeah. And today. it's very possible I'll come back to that um, next year as well. Some of the some of the the revelation that he's receiving from God that we, we might bring that into some of yeah, our services. Great. So. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, bearing with us through this podcast today. Yeah. All of our podcasts from today will be available on our website and at behindthemessage.com. 
Um, with that, thank you so much, and you are dismissed.